Hi, everyone. Welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. We're sharing our own insights as authors who've been publishing since the beginning of the e-reader revolution, while also interviewing industry experts and other successful authors to help you figure out what's working right now. I'm Andrea Pearson, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Lindsay Baroker. And you can tell we're reading our intro still. <laughs> our show is that new that we don't even know what we want to say yet. I'm like, oh, yeah, watching my eyes track across the screen. <laughs> you know, I don't, didn't ever fully memorize the intro to my last show. I mean, my listeners, it would be like halfway through the show and I'd be like, oh, yeah, by the way, this show that you're listening to. <laughs> so, yeah, good times. All right, so the purpose of this episode, we're going to be interviewing Lindsay because she's pretty cool, though we will be interviewing Joe as well because he's also cool. <laughs> and did you guys just want to go into it? I mean, straight right into it. Is that okay with you guys? Yeah, that sounds good. And to let everybody know, we're just uh, doing interviews with each other to start out these first few episodes so you guys can get to know us. And hopefully we can give you some good information. And it's also hard to get guests until you actually have a show that's been on the air for a little while and, and has a few reviews. So if you think the show will be useful, don't forget to throw us a review on iTunes. All right, Andrea, lead the way. You're the host today. All right. So um, we're going to dig into just a bunch of general questions for Lizzie, Lindsay, including her business operation tactics, things like that. And I, my questions kind of just jumped all over the board. And so I try to organize them according to topic, but... Uh, yeah, so we're going to see. And Joe, like like we said before we started recording, please interject if you have a question. <laughs> so it's not just me. Okay, and we're going to be doing book launch stuff in the second half. So hopefully that would be interesting to people. Not that business operational tactics doesn't sound interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure I have those, but I'll give it a shot. All right. Okay. First question. Uh, okay. Do you work closely with any merchandisers on the other retailers? No. Next question. <laughs> so, um, so I've been around long enough that I've got emails like from Kobo and Barnes and Noble, and I think iTunes. Although Joe actually does has more of an in there than I've ever developed. Um, but and I occasionally and if you meet these guys up at conferences, that's kind of the best way to get on their radar. Sometimes I remember Barnes and Noble in the beginning just had a list. It was like sign up if you want to hear from us. You know the self publishing arm. So yeah, if you're around a while, hopefully you'll kind of get a, a contact. And like I said, if you go to the conferences, even if you're not a big seller, uh, you can kind of get on somebody's radar and they will let you know if uh, they're having a promo coming up. I actually just had Barnes & Noble promote one of mine, uh, Forgotten Ages. It's a box set. They dropped it to 99 cents for a one-day sale they were doing. And I actually sold a couple hundred copies. So that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, the last few years, I feel like Nook has been a little, uh, there's always talk of its demise. So, but it, so I find it encouraging that there's, they've got someone and they are trying to do things and starting to reach out more to self-publishers. So yeah, anything you can do to get on their radar is of course useful. And you heard that they got bought and they're starting to get liquid, liquidated or something like that? Uh, yeah, I listened to Creative Pens. So <laughs> <get on> the <laughs> news and uh, the Sell More Book Show. We'll plug some other podcasts here. Um, I haven't, I still have the same person at, at Nook, so and they haven't said anything like, "Oh, we're gonna not have Nook anymore or stop doing this." So I guess we'll find out. I, I haven't really heard too much yet on what they're doing as far as the e-reader side of things goes. Uh, I've heard speculation, but uh, I guess we'll be watching that and see what happens in the future. 
Yeah, they pulled out of all the other different countries a little bit at a time, so they're probably going to start pulling out of individual states <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> There's a couple states where you cannot be a part of the Amazon affiliate program. It's weird. It's true, like Arkansas. I think Arkansas is one of them. Just randomly kicking states and countries out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you made the comment in our first episode that your royalties have been in the healthy six figures for the past couple of years. What would you say has been... Um, basically the most influential for that sort of success? You know, I just, now that I've been doing this for about eight years, I've just been consistent. I've kept putting out the kinds of stories that my audience likes to read. And, you know, I'm always trying, hoping, of course, I get new readers with each new series launch. I, I don't know if I'll ever be like some huge mass popular type of author. <laughs> I'm, I seem to appeal to like the slightly quirky neuroatypical kind of reader. And um, thankfully there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> and then, uh, so I, I don't mind that at all. I love that with eBooks and self-publishing that you make enough on the sale of each book that if you sell 10,000 copies of an eBook, it's pretty good money. Whereas if you sold 10,000 copies traditionally published, you'd be like a failure, you know, for a big five. They, they want you to sell way more than that. So it's, it's, it's good work right now. <laughs> um, what else has helped? You know, just, I'd like to say I'm focused and really know what I'm doing, but I, I tend to follow the muse. I've stuck to science fiction and fantasy, which are probably genres that are maybe more open to having readers that kind of like quirky characters and uh you know there's certainly tropes and everything and if you write a little more to market maybe you can make even more and uh exploit it really really well i know you can I, i've seen some super successful people in the genres but uh hopefully it's encouraging to know that it is possible to write what you want to write and uh even if it's not super popular and, and still you know if you publish often enough and that's another thing it's obviously i publish pretty frequently i've been doing a series a year this last few years, like eight books, and then probably a couple other things too on the side. So that helps. And that came just with practice. I didn't start out writing super fast. I'm, I'm impressed with people that come out of nowhere and they're like, yeah, I'm writing a book a week. Well, okay. Well, good. That's good. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> they probably have pen names. <laughs> they're like, I've been doing this for 10 years and here's my brand new, you know, I'm a brand new author. <laughs> well, some too, some people too start with ghostwriting and uh, freelancing yeah, and stuff, and you have to be really fast to make yeah. enough to put, you know, make a living. So that is one way to kind of cut your teeth and learn the ropes before you put your own name on stuff. Let's see. Do you schedule promotions that feature other retailers only? I have occasionally, um, not seriously, but I've tinkered a little bit with uh, advertising and sending it to, uh, like, specifically to like the. Uh, Kobo Canada store or the Kobo US store or um, I think I tried you know Apple UK is there an Apple UK I don't know I, I grabbed the links and then I've tried with BookBub ads and stuff to, to see if I can move the dial especially in some of the smaller stores like like Amazon or Amazon Australia where if you just sell a few titles you can actually get your ranking up pretty high I've always thought well it might be useful to you know because I do actually make quite a bit of money from not just Amazon US. Like I was really excited when I got to the six figure point from the non-Amazon stores. I was like, cool, if anything ever happens to Amazon, I'm still making good money from these other ones. So that was kind of a nice place to get to. Yeah. I, I hope nothing will ever happen with my Amazon income, no but you never know. So uh, I'm a big fan of uh, getting multiple streams of income. And we'll actually talk about that a little more on uh, when we interview Joe. But um, uh, this, but no, no big promotions that just feature one particular retailer. I've, I've had 
limited the success with uh, paper pay-per-click stuff to smaller stores of the other guys. That was actually going to be one of my questions. I didn't write it down, but you already answered it. The whole, what do you do if Amazon goes down? <laughs> I, I certainly hope that will never be the problem. I mean, I don't think they're going to go down. The question is always, you know, because they have kicked out some authors. You like to think as a person that's trying to be, you know, follow their terms of service and play straight, you know, not play loose with the rules that you'll be okay. But we've, you know, on our old show, uh, Jeff got kicked out for, you know, I assume no reason. I don't think Jeff would like knew enough to do any of the shady stuff like the click farming and the things you hear about people doing to increase KU rankings. I don't think he was even in KU. I don't know. But um, he did get it reinstated. It seems to be that most people who are accidentally hammered get their stuff reinstated you know, when they complain enough, but, uh, I'd rather that not happen. And, uh, but yeah, it does make you nervous when you see it happen to other people. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, okay. So what are things that you focus on every day for your business and how do you decide what is the most important? I always prioritize the writing, which is my favorite thing to do. And I would happily be one of those writers that just wrote and handed the marketing and all that off to someone else. If I, if I had the option and if I thought they were doing it well enough, I think I'm a little, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a control freak, but I'm definitely a person that like, if, if it doesn't seem like it's getting done well enough, I'll step up and do it myself. And it's hard with your own work to find somebody else that cares as much as you do. So I'm always excited when I run into like husband and wife teams where the, the wife or the husband, one of them really is into the marketing and the cover art and all that. And the, the other person gets to just focus on the writing. I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> as long as it works, you know, for both, they both enjoy it. Um, so I prioritize the writing, um, especially when I'm working on a project. I tend to do, you know, I'll do like anywhere from five to 10,000 words a day will be my goal. And I have deadlines set with my editor like a year in advance. So I always kind of know where I have to be to hit my goals. I, I hate to be someone that doesn't make deadlines which uh, can be a little stressful. Like there's some good stress that like, well, you'll get it done if you have a deadline with somebody else. But a little bit of uh, maybe you're stressing yourself out too. So it's, it's important to kind of try to find that balance. And I'm still working on it myself. I don't have everything figured out. <laughs> but um, the more books, you, the books are kind of the thing that make money. So I think it's good to prioritize those. And um, I will usually, the two weeks or so around the launch of a new series, that's when I'll go more heavily towards trying to set up, like trying to set up ads. You know, uh, when I launch a new series, I'll, there's some Facebook groups I, I've talked about on the last show. I'm not a big fan of just emailing people out of blue and asking them to promote my stuff. Cause I don't like to assume that I'm going to fit into someone else's schedule, even if they do do that kind of thing. But you can usually find Facebook groups out there for your genre. And I, like the last time I was like, Hey guys, I'm releasing shockwave book one in my star kingdom series uh, here. And it was like mid May. I think I gave like a three week schedule and like, it's going to be 99 cents. If you can promote it, can you let me know? And I'll figure something out so I can promote your book to my newsletter either right now or the subsequent releases. So I do do some of that with a new series. I don't do it with every book. I, I don't want to be that person that emails all the time. It's like, Hey, can you promote my stuff or post all the time? Can you promote my stuff again? So, and then some of that is good. Some of the paid ads. I'm not an expert on that. We'll definitely get people on the show who are really good at um, actually tracking that thing, that stuff really well and who uh, can get positive return on investment. I, I usually just figure I'm going to spend this much amount around the launch. And the goal is to have it be high enough in the rankings that it's also getting organic traffic. 
because it's hard with, especially with a 99 cent book that was like, uh, I do often do book one at 99 cents and then the following books will be like 4.99. Um, but I'm, I'm always happy to go less on that first one, especially lately I've been doing the rapid release. So I'll have two and three out pretty quickly. So those first couple months will usually look pretty good as far as income goes. What was the original question? <laughs> How much do I focus on my answer. business? <laughs> <laughs> no, great answer. You, you pretty much, um, filled in everything that I was going to be like following up on. Like, like, do you write every day? And <laughs> I, I either, I'm either writing or editing almost every day, but yeah, I do take some for new stuff. When I, obviously I want the stuff to sell that I wrote. So I acknowledge that I have to like take some time to focus on the marketing uh, when I launch a new series. And Joe, did you want to jump in at all? Say anything, ask any questions? I guess one thing I'd like to know is uh, we talk about how uh, uh, we've mentioned on the previous podcast uh, that you, um, you know, you write a series pretty much to completion and then you write another series. How much planning do you do for uh, a series? Like as, like as you're preparing a new series, how much of it do you script out and how far ahead do you know what it is? That has definitely become sort of my MO the last three or four years, I would say. In the beginning, I was a little more hoppy hoppy, like <laughs> let's write one book in this series and then, oh, this, let's do a series of novellas. And I found that that was, it was a little harder to keep the momentum going on a series and also to stay focused and interested myself when I was hopping around. So yes, I, I'm now doing it where I, I try to write one series to completion with minimal side projects. This time I, I took a break and wrote a uh, sci-fi romance in the same universe that kind of ties in with the main series. But um, I'm writing book six now, pretty much been working on this since, I don't know, March or something, February. I did the first three before launching. And so writing the first three before anything even goes to the editor or anything, I find that super helpful because I do try to do a story arc. Uh, it's, you know, for good or ill, that, that seems to be kind of what's expected in sci-fi and fantasy. And it's somewhat what I enjoy as a reader, too. You get a little sucked in when there's a bigger story you're waiting to see resolved, as well, you know, in addition to the character growth and stuff along the way. So I often will know kind of I want to do like maybe seven or eight books in a series. That seems to be about my where I average. I think more than that, and I would get bored and want to go on to something else. And usually by then... And the sales have sort of started to flag. It's always hard to keep book one selling and selling. You know, you can do relaunches and stuff like that. But so at, at some point, people may start to trail off. And it's just, you start thinking, well, I want to start something new and uh, have a launch a new series and start it all over again. And, uh, you know, as your artistic muse, too, starts calling to do something else. So I usually write the first three or so with a really good idea what's going to happen in those first three books. And then I, I definitely do not outline the entire series before I get started. I, I feel like if you did, if I did that, I would end up deviating so much. Like even when I outline one book, I usually, there are a lot of changes along the way. It's kind of rare for me just to follow the outline and do exactly what I wrote down. What I do make sure is I have a pretty good idea of what the ending will be of the entire series before I really get going. That hasn't always been the case. Um, my Dragonblood series that was never meant to be a series, I was just writing a standalone fantasy romance kind of book. Uh, but I loved the characters and I turned it into a series. So then I wrote a second book and then I wrote a trilogy. Books three, four, and five were kind of a trilogy. And then I wrote another one because why wouldn't you? And then I killed the main character at the end of that one. And then I had to bring him back at the 
and the next one. So this is sometimes I have definitely had series that just kind of organically developed, and that's, and that's awesome. actually that's actually my best-selling series of all time. When I go into book report and see like everything, nice. So it can work, but uh, my preferred thing is to kind of have an end in, end point in mind, and then you know I'll find a way there. How many books does that one that series have now? Um, I published the eighth one that nobody was expecting because it was like three years after the seventh one earlier this year. And then it had a, a side novel, side novella. I don't necessarily recommend doing these side things because they usually don't sell as well as the main series. And, and you confuse the readers if you're like, this novella is novel 5.5 in the series. <laughs> I have two of those somehow. And then if they miss it, they're confused because if things that happened in the novella end up back in the main series. That's that's what I did but, with my, my flagship series. I've got 10 books in it. They're not as long as yours, but I wrote some novellas and I fell in love with the characters in that. And so I weaved them into the main story and all my, like half my readers are like, what the heck? <laughs> so like, oh, where did this character come from? <laughs> yeah. And I'll put in like author's notes, like, oh, by the way, in case you missed it, there was this one other side story. It's always, you know, and probably everybody has this problem. So hopefully they'll feel okay about it if I say I have it too, where you're always in this struggle of like what your muse wants to do and what you're inspired to write versus what you know is like probably the most logical and practical for your business side. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so how often do you snag BookBub features and do they affect, affect your bottom line very much? Uh, like many authors that have been in this for a while, I found it a lot easier to get them early on. I think I've had two this year. I haven't, it's been a long time since I've been able to get one on anything except one of my box sets, which will be like the first three books bundled. And that's fine. I don't mind making them 99 cents or even free because these are all in series that have like five more books after that at full price that people can go get. And I find that it's been, it's helpful mostly with the wide stuff with the non-Amazon stores where I'm, because I have been releasing into KU with the series and I've got like the last three series still are in there right now. I'm going to be taking two out pretty soon, but um, I've, I've, We'll talk about box sets probably in a, a solo episode, but I've been, uh, I put one in a box set. I'm like, oh, this is suddenly making <laughs> lots of money again. Maybe I'll leave it in KU for another round. Um, so I, but I find it useful in keeping the series selling on the other bookstores while I am kind of focusing on a new series in KU in, until I get that stuff out there. And I do like free booksy and a few of the other ones every now and then. I'll just be like, oh, okay, I haven't advertised this book one for a while. Uh, let me see if I can get a free book. C is, is pretty good. My other go-to. Um, I, I try to get a book every month, but it's actually, I would say it's less, it's been less and less effective for me now. Um, but that may be in part because I'm giving them books that have already been featured there before at this point. Uh, it's been a while since I had a, a new never been seen thing get accepted there. So it's it's hard to say. This last one didn't make much of a blip anywhere, honestly. But um, I'll still keep submitting. Like, if you know, why not? It's 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 always worth the money, at least that it costs. Whereas with the other promo sites, you kind of maybe have to gauge it. Well, is it is it going to be worth the money, or you know, is it? Am I doing it as part of my launch promotion? In which case, maybe it's okay that no one particular thing earns back as much as I spent, but together they have this synergistic effect and can get you up in the top 20 of your category or something like that. And then you're able to kind of get some organic sales too from that. All right. 
I was I was actually going to uh, interject a question here about box sets, but honestly, we should do an entire episode on box sets. So instead, I will move on to our primary topic for this episode, which is book launches and KU stuff. <laughs> so the f- first question in that area. What, if any, pre-order tactics do you have? I've actually had a couple people asking me about this on Twitter, so it'd be interesting to see how you handle things. So I will, like I said, I've been mostly launching new series into KU for the last three, four years. So I'm really focused on Amazon-centric on the launches stuff, but uh, like that book eight I mentioned in my Dragon Blood series, because that series has always been wide and... Um, Maybe it's worth saying that to encourage people that my best-selling series of all time has never been in KU. So <laughs> there's, there's hope if you don't want to go that route. Um, but when I put out Book 8, I wasn't going to put that in KU because of the rest of the series was wide. And so I, as soon as I could get a cover, I did about a four-month pre-order on that one. Um, and you can do as much as a year. Even Amazon now has changed it. I'm not sure if everybody gets it or it's kind of a beta thing, but they are starting to allow you to do up to 12 months. If you distrib- distribute through draft digital or smash or any of those guys, you can also do a pre-order for up to 12 months. I can't remember exactly if you upload like on Kobo writing live, how far out you can go, but most of them give you up to 12 months. So if you feel confident that you can have the, the novel together and don't mind having a pre-order up before you've even started writing it, that is allowed. And on the other sites besides Amazon, the pre-orders, they kind of, have a cumulative effect and give you a big boost on launch day because they all drop and you get kind of a rankings boost on those sites. Uh, and we'll get, we'll get some people in hopefully that are really killing it wide because it is possible. I, I was just chatting with somebody that was like, yeah, I had months where I make 40,000 wide. I'm like really, <laughs> I've never had that experience with the other stores. Um, so we'll try to get some folks that are even better at that stuff. But yeah, the pre-orders are definitely useful for longer ones there, especially like in that case, that book had fans before I put it out there because it was in a series that it sold pretty well. So that one did pretty good. That one actually has probably sold more on the other sites than Amazon because um, like I said, it wasn't in KU on Amazon, so it didn't get the big as much visibility. Um, for Amazon, when I launched a new series, when I'm trying to do uh, the first three books, I found that like I, I like to write them ahead of time. Uh, obviously. <laughs> so I don't have to write a book every week. That's awesome, Lindsay. Um, <laughs> when I love when you do that, just the most obvious thing comes out of your mouth. You're like, Whoa. I like to write my books ahead of time. <laughs> I like to write them before I publish them. Um, yes. Yeah, so anyway, so I'll have the first three pretty ready to go. And then I'll put them out like two weeks apart for that. And then later it'll go to like a month and, you know, two months in this case, because the series, the books are getting longer as I go on. Um, but I'll do a pre-order maybe a week or two before the launch date. On Amazon, you have to worry about diluting the power of the launch because they just kind of calculate the sales ranking along the way. Um, so your pre-order, I've had them actually send out new release alerts for pre-order and then again for when the book new release. So that's maybe a reason to do them. I, I don't do long ones on Amazon. Though I do like to just get the link and have them up. So A, I can put the link to book two in the back of book one as I'm releasing book one. And also I can get the link for book one to send it to any promo sites that I'm going to try to get to promote it on the launch. 
An alternative I've used if you absolutely don't want to do a pre-order for more than a couple weeks is to um, just put it up on Goodreads and get that link. And like I know eReader News today and a couple other ones were fine with me just saying, yeah, yeah, I'll send the Amazon link when I have it, but here's the book I want to schedule for the, you know, to promote during launch week. So I usually don't do more than a couple weeks for when I'm launching a new series and hoping that every, you know, that's kind of when I put the most effort into it, those first couple books. And, uh, you know, just try to keep book one selling really well as long as I can. And then I trust that people will follow through and read the, the following ones. With later books in the series, I'll do longer pre-orders, um, maybe a month or even longer if I get the cover art in time and, and can come up with a blurb. Uh, usually those, by that point, by book five or whatever, I'm just writing it and then putting it out. I'm not, uh, I don't have it saved up in advance. And I find that's nice. I'm not too worried about whatever the sales ranking will be on book six when it comes out. Um, especially if you're going into KU, you'll find you'll get a big boost anyway when it comes out. If you've got, you know, the readers, because none of the KU people obviously can read it before it comes out. So even if you sold 2,000, 2,500 copies or 10,000 copies, if you're super popular <laughs> ahead of time, you're still going to get a sales ranking boost because you're going to get all the people coming in that read through KU. So that's what I found. Um, so that's why I'm not against longer pre-orders with the later books in the series. Now, quick follow-up on that. Um, do you ever advertise a pre-order? Because I, I know that, like, again, if you're, uh, we're, we're doing a long-term pre-order on, on wide stuff, then the more pre-orders, the better. And, and on Amazon, you kind of want stuff to happen on, on launch week. So uh, do you ever, like, yeah, do you ever pay, do paid advertising on pre-orders? I haven't done it on the, the wide stuff. I have done a, tinkered a little bit with AMS. Uh, one of the nice things about a pre-order is like what I've tried to do a couple of times. Last year, I put out a book called Fractured Stars. It was kind of a space opera, a little bit of a romance. And But at the time, all the last year, I've been publishing fantasy. So I knew the also bots were going to be all hosed up because my folks, they're awesome and they'll buy anything that I write, which is really cool. But at the same time, you kind of want to be popping up with, you know, you want other space opera books to be in your also bots and also what matters more do you want your book to be in the pages of other space opera books other people's books in your genre to help other people find you readers find you kind of organically and so what i did because i knew mine was gonna be all messed up with fantasy stuff is i started trying to advertise it to space opera readers about a week or two before i actually launched it and i didn't say anything to my own readers yet that it was out so that was somewhat effective. And I also found that, well, I, I find that my readers find it anyway, so it's limited effective. But I found that I got a, a better gist of how the AMS ads would be doing because it was actually accurate, as in there was no KU reads making it fuzzy. You know, like is a click, how many clicks does it take to turn into a sale? You don't know once you're in KU because some of them are turning into borrows, which is equally acceptable. Um, but before you're in KU, you can get a more accurate look at like, okay, I'm this 399 book. I'm managing to sell a copy with every 10 clicks or whatever. So that was useful. But um, in general, my thought is that I feel like a lot of people will see that something is a pre-order and go, eh, not going to order it. Especially if if they're a fan and they know you want your book, they might just do it because why not? But I feel like you would get when you're advertising a book that's actually for sale, you're going to get more, you know, a better buy-through follow through from uh, whatever advertising you do. So I don't know. I don't order pre-orders that are like nine months out. I'm like, forget that as a reader. And I've heard that from a lot of other people too. 
So that's, you know, both ways, <laughs> arguments for and against. I probably wouldn't advertise like something that's nine months out unless you were hoping to make a list, which is that it could be more easily achieved now that you can do 12 months everywhere. So I don't know about you guys, but I've seen a lot of like mid-list authors that you're like, no way does that author sell 8,000 copies in a week in general, but because they have, if they had 12 months to, to gather sales, which is what you do with the pre-orders and what the trad publishers often have had, um, there's more of a shot for somebody that's not a huge seller to make the list. So I just want to interject the, the, this book launch that I'm working on right now, and Lindsay probably could use a break from her voice for a bit. <laughs> um, so with this book that I've been working on, this launch, it's been up for pre-order for about six months on other retailers and three months on Amazon. They actually changed that rule uh, within the last, you know, very briefly. Anyway, so I have been running ads to it and they have been getting me pre-orders, but only on Amazon. As soon as I put the book up on Amazon, I stopped getting pre-orders on other retailers. And so I think part of it is people just, they, they're more familiar with Amazon and I'd have to run more targeted ads to the other retailers. Um, but the ads aren't specifically for, in this case, this is something that, that, um, listeners and authors can try the ads the the point of the ads that i'm running they are to kind of see if i can get pre-orders but also to test out my book cover images my descriptions my all of that stuff and then once i got my description down i've been testing out what's the best ad that will get me the best bang for my book once the book launches and so i've got like three or four ads running right now that are basically sections from the book you know like little little um what are they called teasers and I'm just seeing which one's doing the best. And so I've had four ads running. I turned one of them off this morning because it wasn't doing as well. And so doing that when you during the pre-order period is a great idea because then when they do click through, they can pre-order if they want and you're and you're not necessarily losing money, even though you're testing, so you are getting money, but uh, not getting money, you're you're getting results, but you, they can actually pre-order if they feel like it. So that's been helpful for me. That's a good point. And if you're ever going to play with your blurb, probably during the pre-order is a good time, <laughs> you know, like this blurb this week, this blurb before you're actually bringing, like, I don't know how much you've told your actual fans on your list to go buy the book, but if you're just advertising and not really selling, you know, telling your regulars about it, you can get a more honest, like, is this blurb working? Is this cover working? Kind of. Yeah, thing. I actually, uh, this book has a huge, a huge spoiler for my series that I just finished. So the, the main girl, I don't think I've told you guys this. The main girl in the last series, she's got a six book series. She's She's got this whole quest thing that she has to do and she hires a guy to help her and they end up dating by the end of the book. Well, my readers, they don't find out until his series that he's actually been hired to assassinate her. And so um, I had to be really careful because the description talks about how he'd been hired to assassinate her. So I didn't even tell my readers it had been up for pre-order for like four months before I let them know. And I ended up sending like a little the first three chapters to my readers to get their feedback on. I think I mentioned that actually in the episode where you guys interviewed me that I was wanting to make sure my readers liked the book because if they liked it, then other readers would as well. So that I didn't even tell them what the description was. I just sent them that those first three chapters and they discovered, you know, while reading that, you know, he'd been hired to assassinate the main character from my last series. And so, yeah, I kind of, I kept that hidden from them for a while. And then it allowed me, like you said, allowed me to test things out without having a whole lot of, a lot of backlash or losing cells because, you know, one thing was not working over better than another thing. All right, Lindsay, you ready for your next question? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm very excited. <laughs> I was going to say that was so sure. enthusiastic. <laughs> okay, so what role, actually, we've already talked about paid advertising. Um, do you ever use uh, like the big sites, not just, I mean, you mentioned ENT. Um, do you use any other sites while you're uh, doing your launches? I do. Um, anybody that will actually, you know, of the major ones that will do new releases, and, and quite a few of them will now, if you have books out and you're kind of proven as an author, or they can look and see like, you've got reviews, they're good, largely, then um, like you read your news today. Will, and I'm, I've tried a couple times a uh, bargain book. See, those guys have one called New in Books that um, it's a little more expensive, but you know, I, I did that a couple times and it, it seemed to help. And they actually, I think they're trying to, you know, reward people for using them because they also later randomly plugged one of my audiobooks uh, to their new audiobook list. And I've gotten a couple of, I think, free, free booksy features that they're just like, well, we did this one for you, you know? So I was like, great. So they seem to be a pretty good output overall. And the, the results are not too bad. Um, so I've done them, e-reader news today. If I can get in there, um, uh, Book Barbarian is a sci-fi and fantasy site. They tend to get booked a couple months out, so it depends on how on my on the ball I am. Um, usually, if I'm writing the first three books, uh, I'll know ahead of time. Like I'll, I'll hopefully have the cover and everything for book one early, so I can try to submit to some of those sites. But what I'll try to do is get promotions going like every day, something different when I'm doing a new release. So you can kind of try to stretch the juice that you got going over like a week or two, since um, I'm sure we'll talk about this tons on the show and reader, listeners of the old show have heard it lots of times, but Amazon rewards sort of that steady, like ideally if you can have a steady climb, like a few sales in the beginning and then gradually more and more, but that can be tough because your list is going to be disappointed if you don't let them know about a new release pretty early in the process of the release. They'll be like, hey, this came out three weeks ago and you're just telling us about it. Um, but yeah, so I'll try to get you know, promo sites. And then my list, I'll often break up over a couple. I have a couple different lists, one for sci-fi, one for fantasy. I, my poor pen name one has kind of died off now. I've been ignoring that one, but sometimes after the also bots and everything are established, I'll like, I'll let the fantasy list know that, oh, hey, I've got some sci-fi out too, in case you want to check it out. But whatever I can do kind of that first two weeks to get as many copies sold as I can, but not all at once. Because Amazon, you, you know this, if you've had a book bub, they kind of, I don't know, we'll call it the book bub effect. <laughs> they, they see a sudden huge amount of book sales, 5,000 books sold, and you shoot way up in the rankings, but almost immediately the book starts dropping off. They don't sort of kick things in and help you sell it <laughs> beyond that uh, unless you can sustain what you had there. So that's always my goal is to try to, the first couple of weeks, I'll book those promo sites. And um, if I can get anybody else to share my book, I will. I'll share first on social media and then like the next day uh, to my own uh, readers on my newsletter. Just to, And then like a week later, maybe again to the newsletter, because you always find like a lot of people didn't see it or, or didn't open it or, or, you know, but they are interested. And then after that, you know, you're just hoping for the best. Uh, I'll, all through this, I'll, now I'm doing like AMS ads. I usually do some Facebook ads, even though I'm horrible at them, at making them <laughs> worth it, worth the cost of the click. I'll usually just throw some money. Like I'm just like, well, the launch is, I'm going to throw it however much for this launch and be okay with that. And I always, you know, I've kind of uh, tried to 
spend less than 10% on ads overall for my income overall. I figure I'm doing great if I, if I can do that. That's just a personal thing. Other people spend more, other people spend a lot less. Uh, you can, whatever your comfort level and whatever is actually working for you. I, you know, I try my best to make it convert, <laughs> you know, to, to not spend way more for a sale than, a, than it is going to earn me. But yeah, whatever I can do to kind of spread it out. And do you promote your backlist during your launches? Every now and then the, the stars will align and I can get like a book bub for a related series that happened last year. I was launching my Heritage of Power series and I think it had been out about a month and it was, it was actually selling really well. That series did quite well. Uh, fantasy with dragons, what's not to love, right? <laughs> and then I happened to get a book bub for the box set of this series, the original series, uh, Heritage of Power spun off from that series. And it was just, it was like, you wouldn't think it would matter because the box set was this whole other thing. They have to read like six books before they would, you know, see the little note at the back. Oh, here's a new spinoff series. But for whatever reason, it gave it a big boost. You know, I, I think it had been selling like around 250 in the whole store, book one in that series. And then uh, for, a while, for a couple of weeks after that book bub for the other series, the book one in the Heritage of Power went up to like 170 or down to 170. Amazon likes to make it confusing. <laughs> for, you know, I was like, wow, I got a huge boost from that. So it's kind of rare if you can make that happen. But yeah, if I have a spin, if it's a spinoff series or like when I launched my new uh, Star Kingdom sci-fi series this year, I tried to do some random advertising on the my other big sci-fi series from a couple years ago. Uh, I, I do think it can be helpful to have just as much stuff as you can out there for people to find you. I mean, that's always helpful, but uh, yeah, that's a good time to do it. And then I also do stuff like that when I'm done with one series and then I've got a few months where I'm not going to have a release because I'm working on the first three books in the next series. So that's also a time when I'm like, well, let's try to get some promos to keep things selling and keep the income from dropping off too much when you're not releasing anything. Now, this is one that a lot of people have uh, strong opinions on, but how far ahead do you start promoting uh, a new release? Because there's one school of thought that's, you know, if you, if you promote something months and months ahead, like if you have a one year pre-order and you're promoting it all along, then the, you know, all of the buzz about the release will be gone by the time it's, it's actually releasing. And while others are saying, well, if you don't start promoting early enough, then you can't build any momentum for the release. So, where, where do you start your, your promoting of a new release? Hmm. I'm not like, I know some folks and it can actually work really well. I've seen like some romance authors that do maybe three or four books a year, but they really put a lot of effort into the marketing and you'll see them doing stuff two, three months before the book comes out at least. And it seems to work for them. So maybe we'll find some of those people and have them on the show. <laughs> I don't usually do, I don't like to put a lot of effort or a lot of money into promotions until I have a pre-order up at least, because it seems like, you know, you get them all excited and there's nothing for them to buy, then they might just forget about you again. So I, but I will, I always like on my Facebook author page, I'll post little teasers like, hey, this is a new series I'm working on. Here's some banter between the characters. You know, I, I find that they enjoy that a lot more once they've read a couple books and they actually know the characters. But that's a little bit, you know, especially if it's a series that they have a reason to be excited about, like a spinoff of a old series where they kind of know some of the characters. But I, I don't get real serious about it until like that two weeks before when I've got a pre-order link and I can start, you know, here it is. 
Uh, and like what I said, when Amazon was doing it in a KU, I don't really want to dilute things too much. I want to try to get as many sales as I can in sort of that two-week window where it launches. So I don't put a lot of effort into that pre-pre stuff. Um, I know some people are really big on cover reveals. You know, I, I usually like to kind of wait until it's actually out there and they can find it. But I'm also somebody that's, when I see cover reels, reveals, I'm like, eh, okay. <laughs> but if you're really excited for a book, then it's different. But if you're not, I, I don't know how excited people really get about it. But like I said, I have seen other people with different philosophy and they kill it. So <laughs> to each his own. All right. Now, this is one we actually covered a little bit earlier, but uh, how do your release strategies differ for first in series versus mid to late series books? I do a lot less for late in the series stuff. What I, because as I mentioned before, with um, having an arc, and it's really, I would never try to get somebody to buy like book four in my series that hadn't read the other books. I would say, don't buy a book four in my series if you haven't read the previous books because it's going to be confusing. So those are the kind of series I write. And because of that, I don't ever really pr promote or advertise the later books in the series. I always focus on book one. Uh, I will often like, I just released uh, book five in my Star Kingdom series. And I did like a f the first free thing with the f book one. And I think I got a free book C and I don't know, a couple things to try to get new people into book one. And so that's generally my strategy. And what you can do too is later on, I'll often put together a box set of the first three books in the series. And that becomes another thing I can promote. You know, uh, it might start out at $9.99 because like that's still a dollar off or something when it would be to buy the three books individually. Um, but if, of course, if I can get a book bub, I would drop it to 99 cents. And usually by that time, the whole series is out. So there's more books for them to buy. That becomes a, another tool. But uh, I, of course, I announce it to my newsletter when I and my social media stuff when I have subsequent releases in the series. But I don't try to get anybody else to promote it and I don't get promos for those books. This is a, a little thing too that I know people have contacted me about, but do you maintain a, uh, a bibliography or a reading order of, of books in a series so that when you release a new book or even like in a situation where maybe it's been three years since you, uh, you, you went back to that series so that you can direct people back to remind them how many books are in the series and where it started? I do have a thing on my website that lists everything and has the reading order and um, tells a little bit about like if there's a side book, where it fits in and that kind of thing. People always ask me where it is <laughs> and ask me for the link. So probably like it actually is in a couple of places on the website if you look around. But uh, I should say I have a, I'm a horrible author to look at their website because I got a free WordPress plugin in 2009 and I still have the same site. I've actually tried to get it redesigned a couple of times and not like the designs and just kind of put it off. But yes, I do that. And every now and then I'll post on Facebook like, hey, here's here's a reading order for all this stuff. And I also sometimes post on Facebook, Here, here's a reminder of everything that's free right now, you know, because a lot of my book ones that are have been out for a long time that lead into an eight book series are just kind of permanently free. And those posts get shared around a lot uh, naturally, even if I don't boost them. So it's it's good to remind people that, oh yeah, I have all these other books, definitely. And what I don't always do, which I should do, I'm pretty good about doing with the current series I'm working on is update the back matter. 
you know, in the, in, the, in the previous books, I'm not always the best about going back and doing it on old books. But like, if I have a spinoff series come up, I'll go to book eight in the last series and be like, hey, now you can check out some of these new characters and hear more from this character in this new series. So that's always good too. And you know, it's probably a good idea some now and then to link to that big list on your site. I think I do it in my welcome newsletter. I'll have to go take a look. <laughs> I like to put a list of all my books at the bottom of all of my emails to my readers. I just have this static footer that has book covers and links to print and eBooks. And I track that with my affiliate link, which I'm not supposed to use in my emails. <laughs> but I have noticed that um, I do get people regularly clicking through and buying from there. So it's been pretty helpful for me just to have every weekly email have a list of my books. It's getting kind of big. So I'm trying to figure out if I should shorten that to my series, you know, just have a link for each series instead of a link for each book in each series. But I'll eventually get to the, get there. But not yet. <laughs> Books to read has uh, you can make you can make reading list links now, Ooh. so that might be a way to consolidate yeah, that's it. That's a great I, that's a great idea. I'll have to look into that. All right, Lindsay. Um, okay, so you have books that have never been in KU. Do you think you will ever put them into KU? I would say probably not. Every now and then I'm tempted to try it with that Dragon Blood series since it has been such a, a good seller for me. It's one of those ones where I did the blurb on the box set which is actually a better seller than the book one, because as I mentioned, that's the series where I didn't plan to make it a series. So book one is a very complete story. It's not like a teaser ending. There's going to be more coming. But book three in the box set is the beginning of a new trilogy within the series. So that has sold pretty well. And the blurb is, I've been afraid to touch it because it's always done really well when I've done promos. So I've thought about it, but I, I think probably not. I'm not a big fan of pulling stuff once it's already been published wide. And I've even talked to like the Kobo people and, you know, I've heard them say like, man, it's really hard when authors do this. And then, cause they get a lot of email from readers. Why isn't this book in our store or, you know, so, and it's, I feel bad for them and I don't want to like burn bridges or become that person that irritates them. And to you put stuff in KU and then you find out that it didn't come down quite everywhere. Like I think Kobo used to, it, like three or four years ago, they had FNAC, which was some French store. I'm not sure if that's still a relationship, but I put something in KU on my pen name and then got an, you know, an astigram from Amazon. Hey, this is for sale in France. I was like, why is it for sale in France? <laughs> I have no idea. But it turned out with hunting around that that was a Kobo affiliate and they'd just been really slow to update their store. So uh, I do not like to take things down that have been wide. Yeah, I've seen a couple of authors, like really, really high profile authors, um, take their books wide and go into Kindle Unlimited. And doing the business masterclass in Vegas, you know, I, I, I see Mark Leslie Lefay regularly, you know, formerly from Kobo, now from Draft to Digital. <laughs> and and they, they've talked about how difficult it is, you know, honestly, especially when it's a huge author where, you know, their books, they just they put them in Kindle Unlimited. And I almost took mine all from wide. I've got a couple series that have never been in KU and almost put them into Kindle Unlimited. But then I started going back through previous months and I use books, uh, Book Tracker. Have you guys heard of Book Tracker before? I've heard of it. I don't think I've used it. Okay. Book Tracker is kind of like book report, but for all retailers. And so I'll like, they'll show you, you know, how much money you've made across your whole entire career, how much each book has sold. They'll show you reviews, number of views, things like that. Um, but I, I forget that I, I, um, 
I distribute through Smashwords and there is a delay when it comes to iTunes, when you're reporting back to Smashwords. And so I started going back like two or three months previously and checking out my royalties. And I found that 70% of my royalties were coming from, or not 70%, 70% of my Amazon royalties that I was getting through the other retailers. And I didn't think that Kindle Unlimited would make up for that 70%, you know, um, because they do favor new releases from what I've, I've noticed and in, in, with my own books, you know, and so I've, I'm just, I, it's not worth it to pull old books in my opinion, unless you're like, I don't know, a huge, huge author who has a lot of traction, um, you know, like Hugh Howie, <laughs> for example, then pulling out from wide and going into Kindle Unlimited would make more sense. But uh, do you have books that will always be in Kindle Unlimited? And if not, because I, I, I know that uh, one of our future questions involves that. So don't answer the future question. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> I like how you think I have actually read the questions. <laughs> Just because I pasted them into a Word document. Um, but to comment on the the other the, the top the wide pulling out a wide too, I know like Mark Dawson did that, but I think if you're going to do it permanently, you know, and you're just realizing that Amazon KU is just way better for you, that's one thing. But I think when you're going in and out, and you're like, oh, it's not really selling wide. Let me see if it sells in KU. It's not really selling in KU. Let me see, let me try wide again this year. I think that's where you can get in a little trouble and, and confuse readers and, and irritate the the retailers. They do know notice, <laughs> you know, especially if you're a decent seller, you're probably on their radar, someone's radar. Um, but yeah, so that's and I and I agree with what you said that KU gets uh it's easier if it's a new release. You just have a little bit extra going for you. If all you're doing is taking a three-year-old series and putting it in KU, uh, I wouldn't expect much. You know, even even if you have stuff, new stuff selling well, I mean, maybe people will find it. But I, I would, if you were going to do it, I would make it like this whole relaunch thing where you're really going to put some effort and, you know, maybe you're getting new covers too and just trying to really get things going uh, when you go on KU. But as far as what, is there stuff that will always be in there? Uh, my pen name stuff is, is in KU and I've just left it in KU, mostly because I'm not doing anything with the pen name right now. And... Yeah, it was very, it was very kind of an experiment when I did it, an experiment that now has like 14 novels, but <laughs> still. Uh, so it was easier just to focus on Amazon with that one. And it's, you know, right now they're not selling that well because I'm not doing that much with them. So I've just left it there for now and not gone through the effort of building up the name in other stores because they were briefly wide at the beginning. And I found it was just a lot easier as a new, new author because I, I did that pen name anonymously. I didn't tell anybody about it right away. It was easier to get things rolling on Amazon. Uh, at the time, the pen name writes sci-fi romance, and at the time, I don't think anybody else even had a category for that. Uh, I think that's changed now, but uh, that, of course, helped with visibility on Amazon. But no, uh, even you know, usually once I shift my focus to a new series, I, I go into just selling, you know, trying to get promos once or twice a year on the book ones in the older series. And it's, it's possible I'm leaving, I mean, it's probable I'm leaving money on the table by not putting more of a focus on the older series. Every now and then I'll think, oh, I should do some advertising and run some AMS ads on this book. But it's a little harder to make those work when you're not in KU. And especially if you're doing, if book one is perma-free, you know, you're like, really, am I going to pay 50 cents to get somebody to download my, to maybe download this book with a AMS ad? I just find that it's, it's not real useful. So yeah. What was the question? <laughs> Did I answer the question? I think so. 
Yeah, you answered it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So uh, we know that like your your standard uh, tactic for for books is to start off in KU for a while and then and then move them over to wide. Do you treat the move to wide as a uh, as a second release? I do think it's an opportunity to kind of have a, a second release, especially in my case that it's usually like at least a year later. So I don't take stuff out of KU while the series is still being published, uh, unless I've kind of abandoned it and moved on to other things for now. Um, it's just a lot easier to keep the book selling and the series doing well if everything's in KU. You know, I've seen people say, I'm just going to go in for the first 90 days. And I, I feel like that's not really enough to, to be that useful. Or you, if it, you know, if it is does do well, you're going to want to keep it there because that's, you know, you're making more money that way with all the the page reads. Um, I've, so I would say even as a non, well, we can talk more about KU later. I'll say that we're almost at an hour, so I'll say that. But uh, yeah, so um, what I've been doing is waiting uh, when I'm putting a new series into wide until all of the books come out of KU because you know if. Uh, how it works is like one comes out, another one comes out four weeks later, another one comes out four weeks later, then book five comes out because that went in on a different cycle. And <laughs> so it's a little confusing as to if you were just staggering it on the other sites and doing it, then they'd only have book one and they'd be like, why are the other rest of the books on Amazon? So I tend to wait till the whole series is out of KU. And then I honestly, I put them up there all at once. I, I've heard people suggest staggering it and that's not a bad idea, but I just, Let's do it while it's on one of my admin days, you know, let's, let's get the whole series up on the, the other sites. And then I, you know, yeah, often I'll announce it everywhere, of course, because I do still have readers because like you guys, I started out in, you know, December 2010, four years before KDP Select and Amazon exclusivity were even a thing. And there was a real reason to be tempted to go in. So I have a lot of readers on the other sites. And I, but I don't honestly monitor the stats that well. So it's hard for me to say, like, is this the most effective way you could do it? Or, you know, could you do more? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the big thing is just to wait until you have all the books, the, the rights, the contracts have ended, and you can do whatever you want with the other sites in the launch. Yeah, one thing that um, I noticed, like I wanted to test out with my last book, I, I generally release into Kindle Unlimited and then go wide as well. Uh, but this previous series, I decided I wanted to see how a quick, a rapid release would work wide, and it doesn't work. <laughs> um, and I've got a, a wide, uh, you know, a wide listenership, wide, a wide, wide listenership, <laughs> and but it just. It, and talking to my merchandisers on the other platforms, you know, it takes, it's more of a slow boil for them. It takes time for things to build up, especially for a new series. And so I think launching them all on the same day is a great idea, mainly because it really is, I hate uploading my books, especially, you know, all over the place. You just, it's tedious. Lindsay's nodding. <laughs> and, and um, yeah, so, so doing it all in one day when you're in the mood for it is a great idea, I think. If you do have a good relationship with one of the merchandisers on one of the other sites and you're the kind of person that will ask for favors, which honestly I'm not, I don't like to ask for anything. So they, I might as well not have their email addresses because, you know, it's just, I don't ask for favors. Um, but if you're somebody that, cause if you're not, it's not like they don't want to promote you. You're not really bugging them every now and then they'll be like, Hey, if you have something that comes out, let us know. And you might be able to work your release wide with somebody and get a little bit of a boost if you kind of arrange it a couple months earlier. 
I do. I am always hesitant to say, well, this has been in KU and exclusive to Amazon for the last two years. Yeah, you want to promo it, don't you? <laughs> so yeah, I, that's hard to juggle those relationships. I mean, I, they all seem understanding, like they get why authors do it, but at the same time, you know, I think they're disappointed. Yeah. Like, oh. Especially a merchandiser who like, like my merchandiser Smashwords, he'll reach out to me you know, about every month, sometimes a little more often than that for a promotion. And if I don't have any books to give him for that promotion, and like you, I don't want to just be like, hey, my books are in Kindle Unlimited, sorry, you know. But um, when I was thinking about going uh, back and taking all my books and putting them into Kindle Unlimited, and I decided not to, I actually, he, my Smashwords merchandiser was one of the biggest reasons I decided not to because he's been reaching out to me on a regular basis. And so I emailed him. And for those of you out there who aren't shy or or have Lindsay's you know opinion, share Lindsay's opinion, and just don't. I mean, for me, like I just emailed him and I, I said, hey, um, thank you so much for helping me out with promotions. And I've you know I've decided I I went through a phase where I was almost going to put all my books in Kindle Limited, and I decided not to. And I have huge to thank for that because you've been helping me wide. And and I said, if you ever have any promotions, go ahead and, and let me know. And I've been, I, he's put me on like seven, six, seven promotions in the last three months. And so it's, it's in my opinion, it's worth it. If you're like Lindsay and you have like 3 billion books that are giving you like $3 billion a month, then you probably don't need to worry about it. It's just an extra, extra step, you know, to take when you, when you could be doing things like writing and, and um, <clears throat> socializing on social media, because that's what Lindsay does. <laughs> my three author posts a week um but i think it's more of a just personality thing too yeah. i think uh, it's very introverty not to want to bother other people and i'm like you know and then percent extroverted so. right and you're just like why wouldn't you they ask for stuff to promote why wouldn't you exactly. email them and i'm like i don't want to bother anybody or ask for anything so whatever your personality says you should do, then you should do it. <laughs> whatever your personality, that's now our guiding stars, our personality. <laughs> um, I'm a cancer. Are you, a, is this like a, I'm a <laughs> what's I'm your a Pisces. <laughs> That affects whether or not you're going to ask for promos. I don't know. That's awesome. Okay. So do your books um, in Kindle Limited do better than the ones that are wide? Um, you said your best selling series is wide, but what about right now? I mean, which books are doing the best right now? Is it your most recent one that's still in Kindle Limited or what? The best selling series is over time. So that wasn't my first series. It was my second one. So it's had part of it is that it's just had more time to be out there selling. Um, but part of it too, is just that it, every time I get a promo on that box set, it, it does really well. Um, but yeah, KU books, there's a reason I got tempted to, <laughs> to start launching series in there. You know, I think that was the first time I hit six figures in a month was when I did my Fallen Empire series in um, 2016. And it was the first thing I launched in the KU. So I was like, hey, there's more money over here, yeah, <laughs> you know, potentially. Do that? I don't understand. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's nuts, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that's uh, like uh, August just this last August, I had like 10 million page reads in um, KU between the new series and that box set that I mentioned. And that was my best I've ever done. And it was enough did to you, get- Did you get an all-star bonus for that? It was the first time I got better than like the lowest one. I oh, think nice. I was at whatever 2,500 is. And then I actually felt guilty about it because I don't think box sets should really be in the running because they got like 20, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like 2,500 pages 
Well, those people really would probably read the individual books anyway, so it's not like they're going to go read the individual books as well. I mean, well, they read the individual books when they were out, and then I got a bonus uh, then. You know, I mean, it's just, I kind of feel like Amazon will nerf that at some point. I mean, they're, so, so you should give that money away if it's bothering I you. I should, yes. I would definitely <laughs> consider it. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, you see people that are like diehard KU. That's probably why. They're probably making 40000 50000 a month just from page reads in addition to what they make from sales. So there's a reason that they're staying in there and they're loyal to Amazon and not worrying too much about, like, why are you going to worry if it's all, you know, spreading your eggs to different baskets or whatever. I'll mess up some sayings too, Andrea. Don't worry. When I, like, if you're making enough to like put so much away and then you can pay off your house and that stuff, it's like, okay, well, let's just take advantage of this while you can. So the, I've definitely found as a pretty decent selling author in my genre, and that's just it. I'm not even, you know, I'm not at the top. There are lots of people I can point to that sell way more books and always have something in the top hundred. And you're like, wow, that's insane. Um, yeah, that J.K. Rowling, my goodness. Keeping well, up with her. There's indie authors that are always, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. There's people out there doing so, amazing yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, that's why I'm kind of in there. And it, the fact that it's a disadvantage not to be in KU because of the, we talked about this last time that every borrow counts as much as a sale as far as figuring your ranking. And the ranking means you're going to be or not be in the top 100s that people can surf through for your categories and all that. So for now, and not just that, but I mean, Kindle Unlimited is a, it's the second largest retailer in the world. I mean, people in Kindle Unlimited don't buy books generally. And so, I mean, take advantage of that, you know, before the other retailers are expecting your books, you know. And that's something uh, our other people will have to find out for themselves is if they can leverage being in KU into more visibility and into better sales and into doing really well. A lot of people, if you don't yet have kind of that bigger reader base, or if you're writing a series that isn't like super designed to be to market, to hit the popular things that are selling really well right now, then you may be go in there and be disappointed. So it's just, uh, if you can leverage it, it can be really powerful. But if you're not selling enough to, for it to matter, to get in any of those top 100 lists, to get on other people's also bots, then you may find that, you know, you maybe only get a few hundred page reads. And that's when you're like, well, maybe I will just go wide and see if I could get some extra sales instead. But then don't pop back out of being wide because it does take a year or two to build up momentum on wide retailers. Right. And I, I find that the the best thing that helps me around the wide stores is still having a perma-free book one in a series. You know, that's just, the, the free list seem to be more powerful on those other sites. On Amazon, all the, the people that were freebie seekers, I think they all signed up for KU. So yeah, for their yeah. $10 a month. They're like, well, why do I need to look in the free list? Everything's free. That's in KU. I'll just look there. Yeah. Yeah. My permafreeze on Amazon get probably a 10% read through rate. Whereas on iTunes or sorry, Apple, whatever they call themselves now, uh, it's like a 70 to 80% read through. And I think that's part of it is they don't have that free, you know, they, they don't download as many free books and then they don't have Kindle Unlimited. So they actually do read what they download. Okay, so you had a good lead-in to um, my next question, or just a follow-up question in within the question. Um, have you found anything that encourages Kindle Unlimited to go better? You said that it depends on what the readers there are looking for, but I mean, do you think releasing quickly helps with Kindle Unlimited? Have you noticed there's a fall-off point at any, at any point after releasing? I think releasing quickly helps you make more money in a month. <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, that was that was the other thing. I did release that month I, with those series where that's happened. It's like, okay, well, here's three books back to back. So, but, yeah. And then you just get more readers, and it does seem to really help with momentum. To and then there's a question like, how fast do you want to release them? Do you want to dump them all on the same day? I, I usually stagger them a week or two at least, so that people have time to read book one and then want book two and then read book three. Um, you know, more voracious readers will read a book in a day, but that's not going to be the average person. Um, but yeah, I think that's why the rapid release has been so popular for those who, you know, if you're experienced, if you can write books fairly quickly. Like I wouldn't take three years to write three books to rapid release them. If that was kind of my writing speed, I'd be like, I'd just release them as I go and make the best of it. It's not like you have to do it. It's just doing it can result in more money more quickly and building the momentum and getting more readers into the rest of the series. I, I do find with my stuff, it's, it's you know, with probably 99% of stuff, you'll find that uh, stuff does fall off. Even if you're advertising, even if you're running AMS ads, it's, it's tough to keep a book one in a series selling. And it, if somebody comes to, I mean, you're selling really well. Like I, I find with KU, it's the drop-off is not as quick. Like it doesn't plummet to 50,000 in the stores quickly. You know, you might, maybe you only get two months where you're in the top 500 in the whole store, but then you, and you kind of go off and ignore it and work on the next series or the, the later books in the series, but you're still able to keep it maybe in the top 5,000 and it's still making pretty good money. And, you know, you're getting people still into the series. So I, I find that it doesn't drop off as quickly in KU as it does if you're out of it. That's, that's actually good to know. Um, do you see, um, let's see. Okay, so this is a related question. Do you foresee yourself changing back to releasing wide instead of releasing into Kindle Unlimited? Um, and then you've kind of already answered this. Kindle Unlimited, the importance of Kindle Unlimited is it does give you that boost in royalties for a little while. But I mean, even if nothing happens to Amazon, you don't get kicked out of Kindle Unlimited. Is there ever a, a situation where you think you would release wide? I, I still release later books and series that are already wide. If I do an extra one, I keep those wide. I think I said that before. And then there could become a day where it's just like, well, you know, I've, I've kind of reached my goals financially and I'm okay. So I didn't, like right now you still like, why, why wouldn't you make as much money as you can? You know, <laughs> why, why? But I can see a day where you're just like, I don't want to deal with this exclusivity stuff anymore or, you know, or things change. You know, it's hard to know if Amazon will continue paying as well as it does for books in the subscription program. I always feel like with the, with the voracious readers, they've got to be losing tons of money on those guys. So how many readers do you have to have that don't hardly read anything to kind of balance it out? I assume that either the program breaks even or it, it's just such a lead in for their other stuff that they don't care. But, you know, I imagine there somebody up there crunching numbers is thinking, how little could we get away with paying these authors <laughs> without them leaving the program? So that's always up there too. Okay, so one last question, and, and we've kind of skirted around this a little bit. Um, does anything help your wide books do better? I mean, besides BookBub? Besides BookBub, you know, it's kind of the same as on Amazon. If you release new books in a series, that those can get a little bit of a boost, uh, you know, especially if you did the pre-order and you had people buying that, and so your eighth book in the series or whatever pops up on the iTunes charts for fantasy or whatever, that can help, you know, obviously bring some love into new readers to book one in the series. Um, you can do, I, like I said before with the Facebook posts where I'll say this, these book ones are free, here, 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 and I usually use a books to read link so that they can go to any store they want 
through one link and I'll, I'll say like, here's my five things that are free right now. That's pretty helpful. And that's a way to get often readers of one series to go and try your other ones, just to remind them that you've got something out. And I, like I said, I, I get a lot of shares on those. Like I might get a hundred shares on just because they loved one series and they're like, Hey, everybody, you know, check this out. So those seem to, you know, free books are always popular. And <laughs> if they're your fans already, they're going to be even more popular. So that can be good if you've got a perma-free book one on the wide sites. Uh, so yeah, book bubs, perma-free book one, social media can, can actually be powerful. Like I don't like Facebook as a personal platform. Like if you ever look at my regular page, I update it like, I don't know, eight times a year maybe or something. But I found it to be quite powerful for selling books. And I... I, f I feel people say that, say, disagree with that a lot. And I'm like, well, you're doing something wrong then. I, I'm over there posting my snippets of my books. I'm posting free stuff. I'm posting dragon uh, toilet paper holders, which was one of my most popular <laughs> posts ever. I'm not That's sure, amazing. I'm sure it didn't lead to any book sales, but it was hilarious. That was like my one viral Facebook post. So I actually, that's kind of my number two after my mailing list, honestly, is uh, when I announce a new release on Facebook. So we'll definitely do some social media episodes. But now here, I thought you said Twitter was your favorite place to hang out at some point. <laughs> Not to sell books. Okay. Nobody, <laughs> nobody buys books on Twitter. Nobody uh, clicks links on Twitter. That's like they've done studies on that. <laughs> I will. Uh, I've always got like, here's what's free. I have or here's a new release as my pinned tweet. You know, and after like three months, it'll have like forty likes, <laughs> three retweets, and a few comments. But yeah, I, I probably sell a couple books on Twitter, but I, I do that one because I actually, I just have a chat with some friends that I always have open. And so I, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll post a couple of things to, you know, authorly things on there. And I, I've made some relationships with other people through Twitter. But yeah, I have not sold a lot of books through Twitter. Now, Joe, do you have anything? I think you already said you don't. Did you have any final comments on anything we've talked about with Lindsay? No, I think I think we've been pretty comprehensive. Joe, Joe's thinking ahead to his episode. We're, we're <laughs> going to interview him. He's like, damn, I'm going to have to talk on that one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay, so Lindsay, what about you? Anything you want to like? Anything you want to say to wrap up our interview with you? Anything you want to plug? Um, since we'll be doing this with other authors, I want you obviously to have that opportunity. <laughs> uh, I'm good. No, people can uh, find me if they mangle my name. You still find me online if you, if you want to know anything. So um, that is absolutely fine. And it's been thanks to everyone that actually listened to the whole rambling thing here. <laughs> we'll, in the future, we'll have like real guests, <laughs> not, <laughs> not just the three of us. You are a real guest. Well, no, I guess you aren't a guest. <laughs> <laughs> and they will be fascinating. We'll make sure. Yeah. All right, so that's pretty much it for today. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. We're going to be doing a monthly Q and A's with the three of us answering your questions. So if you have a question, check out our website, sixfigureauthors.com with the number six to ask a question for the show or to contact one of us. And as an FYI, the contact form goes to my email. So <laughs> just to keep Lindsay writing and I don't know what Joe does. <laughs> but <laughs> I also write usually. <laughs> Joe is editing the videos. We all have our roles. <laughs> That's right. Joe, Joe editing videos. Anyway, so yeah, if you want to contact one of us, go ahead and use that, uh, the contact form on sixfigureauthors.com. It's under the tab questions. And if you have a question for the show, go there as well. And we will talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. So long, everybody.